Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Speech, the entertainment podcast that also follows the rule of three. It's two friends, three topics, and unlimited pop culture. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your host, Alin. And on today's show, we've got our newest repeating segment. It's Alin Reviews Bad Movies. This week's iteration is Halloween Kills. You can already see where it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> We also have the movie that they said was unfilmable, and they were right. It's The Green Knight. (laughs) And last but not least, we've got, well, I'm not sure this had to be two movies, but we're going to talk about Dune. So um, how are you doing today, Lynn? I'm good. The way we've described it, I'm like, are we going to say that we liked anything? This yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this might be a big old hate review. Uh, this, this whole well, thing because I have and I wrote them down in real time and I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I had questions while I watched Dune. Oh that... yes, I have answers, but you may not like my tone. I'm just, okay. I'm just going to be honest here. Like you know, every time because uh, when we watched it, Damien also had questions, and every time he had questions, my answer was, "Well, you see, in the book." <laughs> And, and that was yeah, pretty much how it went. Because I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm just going to, I had my my laptop up and I was typing as I went. So there's a, just like questions about okay. setting and scenery and, yeah. um, you know, just trying to wrap my head around it. It's a lot of wrapping for the head. I'm not going to lie. It's a it lot. Was. And it weirdly, was. even though I'm here complaining about the fact that they're going to stretch this out into two movies, there's still a lot that got left out. I mean, I, mean, I hate to admit it, but there is. So, you know, I I found the, the well, we'll get there. But yeah, I know, there's I, a lot. <laughs> I have. a Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not going to put you on the spot or anything, but I know that it, Dune is a series and there yeah. are many books in the series. And many books. Many, many books, and this is just a this could potentially be one of many, many movies. We know it's one of two, yes. um, but it could be many, many more movies yes. than that. And mild spoiler alert if it moves into many, many more movies, your main character will end up likely being Duncan Idaho, which I I don't mind that. I maintain that naming a character Duncan Idaho is the exact same as naming a character Hannah Montana. I can see that. And it was funny because your husband did text me and say, Duncan Idaho, do you think he's a character in a Wes Anderson movie or in a sci-fi movie? Yeah. No. <laughs> Discuss. Discuss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So that that did make me laugh. And also, Duncan Idaho is played by Jason Momoa, who the entire world just needs more of because he's, he's yeah. just wonderful. He's just it's a wonderful just, person. He's wonderful to look at. They picked him because they were like, well, this could be 19 movies, so we better pick someone, you know, who's great for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the character himself is... Hmm. Well, okay. Yeah, anyway, I know, I know we're getting way into it. We're getting way into it, but I will say that he was the only sort of bright, not bright spot, but any type of humor that you wanted to get in Dune. Yeah, it's from serious. There's a lot of very so heavy. Yeah. All right. Well, to start off our little three, this will be probably the the happiest of the threes. Um. <laughs> We've got some information on the final season of Expanse. This is just hands down one of my favorite shows, 
like ever. And I'm Martin Scorsese in space. That's what I refer to it as. It's so good. It's so um, good. But they're so like you and we've talked about this before. You can tell when they go on Amazon and there's no censors. Oh, yeah. It's just F bomb this. It's just like, oh, wow, we can just say anything we want now. Listening to Christian Avasarala F bomb. Like poetry. It's just wonderful. <laughs> and also, kudos to you for pronouncing her name correctly. Yay! I got one. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, but but yeah, I love this show. I love everything about it. And I'm gonna be so sad when it ends, but at the same time I'm super excited that it's coming, uh, that it's coming back. I wanna read the uh I wanna read you the the description of the final season. Okay. The sixth and final season of The Expanse picks up with the solar system at war as Marco Inaros and his free navy continue to launch devastating asteroid attacks on Earth and Mars. As the tensions of war and shared loss threaten to pull the crew of the Rosinante apart, Christian Avasarala makes a bold move and sends former Martian Marine Bobby Draper on a secret mission that could turn the tide of the conflict. Ooh, I love Bobby Draper. I do, too. She's a delightful character. I have such a girl crush on her. She's awesome. She is. Anyway, it comes out December 10th, and uh, that's like less than a month away. So, it's yeah. And it's and one of those those happy shows. Well, it's a has a happy ending because if you were a fan of the show when it was originally on Sci-Fi, you were happy that it got picked up by Amazon and has had this additional life. However, watching the first season. Thomas Jane was in the first season. It was more to me like a detective procedural in space. And you then know, it became the book was like that too, though. Was it? Okay. See, uh-huh. I know that you read the first you read the Two. first book. So yeah. oh you, ooh, look at you. I will probably read them all at some point, but I do know that the show um kind of divulged from the books a f- not a fair amount, but an, a decent amount at this point. And okay. I actually just really enjoy the show a lot. So I I kind of just want to not read the books until I'm done with the show. And then maybe I'll go back and reread the whole series at some point and, and see how they did it. Um, I won't say any spoilers or anything because there is some stuff that I know. Uh, but but yeah, I, I just really like I, I just really think they've done a fantastic job with this. And I'm excited and sad, <laughs> but it's <Right>. coming. <laughs> and I just, I just like how the tone of the show has changed, but it still remains. Uh, it's nothing like there, there hasn't been any sort of character development that you've questioned. There's yeah. always sort of been Nobody's this gone off the deep end here, right? And there's, there's always been this under undercurrent of this potential interplanetary war, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just come to the forefront. It's just interesting because the one that I always try to comp- like that I find myself comparing it to in my mind is Game of Thrones. And I feel like as this show wraps up, it's doing all the it's correcting all of Game of Thrones mistakes. Let's and hope. I, hope, <laughs> I hope that it it continues to do so, because one thing that I just noticed so much with Game of Thrones is like the characters just started to degrade in a way that did not make any sense and you haven't really had that with the expanse. It hasn't jumped as, as a lot of sharks or anything. You know, there hasn't been some shark jumping like you had with Game of Thrones. And I'm just really hoping that they can kind of maintain. I mean, the one thing that's really helping them is the writers actually write 
and they they finished the the writing. The writing was finished, mm. <laughs> so there was that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'm 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 excited. I'm excited. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's that for the future. And also, um, Alin asked me to do a very quick spoiler-free impression of the Eternals. Yes. So yes. this will not be a review um or anything like that but just uh just a spoiler free impression and i i got the chance to see it at like a private screening um where somebody that we work with rented out the theater and it was a small theater um i think you could put maybe 40 or 50 people in that theater total mm-hmm. uh and they were going to they said that you could put 30 max in the theater and we didn't even have 30 in there um, but we were, we were all fairly spaced out. We knew everyone who was there, you know, everybody was vaccinated and all that stuff. So it made me feel right. okay to kind of go in there. And, um, it was relatively cheap to do it. You know, we actually have decided that we're probably going to do this for Spider-Man right. and then invite a bunch of people to our private screening. So, you know, Lynn, if you want to hop a plane, sure. uh, yeah, let's do it. So, um, so we did get to see it and I will say, that overall, I think it is very, very worth seeing, you know, be it in the theater or on Disney Plus at some point. It is a, mm-hmm. a movie that is worth seeing. You can tell that it is a very different movie. Um, it has a very, you know, Academy Award winning director Chloe Zhao feel to it. You know, it's got that kind of construction to it. It is definitely a movie that's going to anger a lot of people. There are going to be people who will not like it because it is a two and a half hour love story that with some sci-fi and okay. uh, yeah, it's long. Um, what uh, does it, that- does it feel long though? Cause a lot of Marvel movies are mm-hmm. longer than your average film, but most of them do not feel like they are that long at times. I will say it does, okay. but it doesn't, it, it, you know, it does in the moment, but then when you get to the end and you can and you have the whole thing there to review, it doesn't. So, you know, you it's one of those movies where you're kind of like, where's this going? Where's mm-hmm. this going? Oh, it's going there. OK. You know, um, it's one of those. I think that for some of the reasons that people won't like this movie are BS. You know, they won't like it because of the diversity. There's a, a gay couple. There's a disabled woman. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. that all that review bombing is stupid. Um, you know, definitely ignore that. Uh, but I think that their main problem was there are 10 Eternals. I was going to ask that because yeah, it is, we've talked about it a lot. It is a large cast. And I was yeah. wondering how they handled not well. all of that cast. Yeah, oh, that's okay. the problem. That's the problem. And and I get it. I, I get like every single person, they really tried to give them screen time and a point and a purpose. And I think they did about as best they could. If you really wanted to get where they needed to get, it needed to be a three-hour movie for these ten mm. people, or you needed eight people. That I mean, there's just no way around it. Eight Eternals are a three-hour movie, and that's where you needed to be. And um, so they really tried, but I think where it ends up kind of bubbling over is towards the end, because there's a lot of like, I'm choosing to do this at the end of the movie. And some of it feels kind of unearned because you just don't know that person very well. 
you know, you're sort of like, oh, you're choosing this. That's weird. Why would you choose that? I guess that's your character, but I didn't know it. You, do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's some of that kind of stuff. Um, but for the most part, you know, the the two main characters are, you know, Gemma. Is it Gemma? Gemma yeah, Chan? Oh, yeah, Gemma Chan, yes. And um, Hottie McCotterson there, Richard Maddox. Richard, yes. Oh, God. Okay. But uh, Rob, Rob Stark. It's Rob a very Stark. good looking cast. Uh, you know, <laughs> there is something for all eyes there. Uh, but, you know, the, and they did an amazing job with the the two characters, um, you know, Gilgamesh and Thena, which are I'm going to I'm going to mess this up. It's Angelina Jolie. And then I can't remember who played Gilgamesh, but um, their two characters were also very, very well handled. And then the rest of them are sort of a mixed bag. Um, and, you know, I, they did the best they could is is the best thing I can say about it. It's just it's going to be noticeable to anyone who sees it. There's too many characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you really notice it at the end. The other thing is this movie changes your view of the history of Earth and the MCU and the Earth now in very significant oh. ways. And the only other thing is when this movie is done, there should be fallout in all or some movies moving forward. There's no way that you can't mention what happened in this movie in other movies. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it is a significant change. So... Maybe like Doctor Strange and stuff, which is coming out next, maybe that's running concurrently to the timeline of Eternals or before Eternals. And so you might not get anything. But as soon as you get to the point where Earth's present timeline is happening after Eternals, you can't not bring this up. It's impossible. And if they don't, if they try to ignore it, I think I'll be mad. Do you know what I mean? Wow. So I yeah. didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah. So um, that's the thing. There's it's a significant thing that happens here. I mean, I've just from what I've seen, and this is like without reading any spoilers or it has so far, this could change, one of the lowest Rotten Tomato ratings for any Marvel film. Now, I suspect that if that's from people, it's because of the review bombing. If that's from critics, then I think we're running up against the problem of, let's say you make a normal standard Marvel movie, the critics complain that they're cookie cutter. Hmm. But then when you make something different, the critics complain that it's too different. Okay. So this is very, very different. And it's not, in my mind, a Marvel movie or a superhero movie. It's a sci-fi love story. If you're not into that, you're not going to be into this. <laughs> uh, there's also a sex scene. It's it's tame. A Marvel sex scene? It's tame, but it's there. Wow. It's about five that, seconds long, but it's there. Is, that is never... No, it's different. I mean, the whole movie is just strikingly different. And, I mean, for me, I enjoyed it. And even if I have some nitpicky things about it, I can appreciate that they tried to do something different here. And I, I, I appreciate that. And I think if you were a critic, you would be out of place to not at least acknowledge that. 
Right. That's my spoiler-free-ish impression. <laughs> I, I I know. When you saw it, I was like, just no pressure if you want to go over it <laughs> and not give anything okay? away. <laughs> no, I think you did a great job. And, okay. and I will most likely see it when Disney Plus reveals whenever it's coming out. I know that it's like so many days that it yeah, will eventually hit. December 20th. That's what I heard. That's not bad at all. Yeah. So we'll see if they hold up to that. Seems but like I, a good thing to release like right before Christmas on there and then like encourage people to buy the the the, the gift sub for you know what I mean because then you can watch like buy the gift sub for your family watch Eternals watch this watch that you know that kind of thing Exactly And speaking of Disney Plus uh yes we have a Disney Plus update cuz they released a bunch of information today and uh Alin, if you want to start talking about some of it, I can jump in. But you you found this, so uh, why don't you handle it and tell us about the Disney Plus update? Sure. So today is Disney Plus Day, and Which is made up. Like, come it's on, a, it's a made up day. Yeah. Um, come on. <laughs> the, and the the funniest thing about Disney Plus Day is you can get Disney Plus for a dollar ninety nine for right now for a month. Okay, that's probably worth it. I know, but just for, I'm just like, you know, make it like a year or something, like, so you end up paying $25 or so, I don't know. Oh, yeah. You know what? If that were the case, I'd probably just do it. And even though I have some time left, I'd just go for it, you know? Right. And I'm just thinking, because I know around Black Friday, there are certain streaming services that say, hey, you can get us for a year for 99 cents a year. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, oh, Disney. But the big greedy, news, man. So they, they're so greedy. So I believe it was earlier this week or maybe even late last week, Disney Plus announced uh, that the Book of Boba Fett was going to be hitting around Christmas time. Yes, so, they released a trailer. You watched it. I did not. Right. And, you know, with the with the Book of Boba Fett, for anyone who's watched The Mandalorian, you know sort of the intro. Of, of what's going to be happening in the book of Boba Fett for those that don't, I don't know how they're going to handle that. I just assume that all star Wars people will watch anything star Wars. So that, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I, how do you not, I mean, who's going to be like, Oh, what's the book? I'm going to watch the book of Boba Fett with no background knowing, but uh, so you have Boba Fett, like the OG Boba Fett from star Wars, like, 1977 so he has assumed uh Jabba's throne on Tatooine along with uh (laughs) look at that see uh along with um Ming-Na Wen who's that's her I love right she I'm so glad that she's continuing to work in Disney slash ABC shows because she was the one of the best things about Agents of Shield. Marvel Agents of Shield. Agent May. So she's awesome. She's gonna be in it. She's sort of been dancing around the edges of the Mandalorian uh as Fennec Shan. And you get to know a little bit about her background, but I have a feeling the book of Boba Fett's gonna be delving into it a little more. But obviously there's going to be Boba Fett is building his criminal empire. Cause why not? Cause I think we need a Godfather esque 
type of show in space. But God, it comes father out in space. That's a great way to describe. That's, it. That's going to be it. it when it we looks, review it, that's how I'm going to describe it. Godfather. It's the Godfather in space. We've got it's the Book of so Boba Fett. <laughs> and it's coming out. It's coming out um, December 29th. So close. So we'll be on vacation. Yeah. Yes. So it's like you'll be on vacation. We don't know, and the IMDb page hasn't updated how many episodes it's it's going to be, whether it's going to be a 30 minute or an hour or what. But it looks it looks cool for anyone who watched watched The Mandalorian and enjoyed it. I have read some things that it's almost going to be like Mandalorian season 2.5, almost oh, really? bridging what's going to happen whenever The Mandalorian decides to come back. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I watched it. It looks it looks really good. It looks accessible to people who haven't maybe watched it. But once again, I'm not sure who's going into Star Wars cold anymore. But we do have some updates. So we know now that WandaVision spinoff with Agatha, the great Catherine Hahn, is going to be called Agatha House of Dark House of Harkness. Not yeah, you know what? I really don't need this show. I don't need this to happen. I know a lot of people like Agatha, but unless you're going to put this show back in the Salem witch trial days, I'm I'm out. I don't want this show. <laughs> and and so that's the the thing that I'm sort of noticing is they're spinning off characters. Like we didn't know she was going to get her own show when you watched it. Right, exactly. I thought her story was told and I was happy with it. But there's also another show. It's called Echo. And it's going to be coming out. And since we don't know anything about this, but it's going to have a character who's introduced in Hawkeye. So they're already anything about Echo. I know yeah. Ironheart, but I don't know Echo. Okay. So Ironheart. Oh, okay. Iron, so do, um, do you want to talk Williams, about Ironheart? Yeah, yeah. Riri Williams is your female Iron Man. So she will be the way that they bring an Iron Man back into uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, she is a comic book character. And um, yeah, so you get a lady Iron Man. That's cool. That's not yeah. Pepper. Nope. Know, nope. Nope. Not Pepper Potts. But the, what I'm looking and excited about is you're going to have Secret Invasion. Dude, I thought for sure that that would be movies, like lots of them. But apparently they're going to do a show with Samuel L. Jackson? Like that's what I because I'm not sure that Samuel L. Jackson has ever done television. <laughs> like he's one of those people that are always in movies. And I'm really I can like, see him being fussy about that too. <laughs> yeah. I'm like trying to think. I've never seen him like guest star or appear or anything. So this should be interesting. But it's going to have Ben Mendelssohn as Talos, the scroll. Um, he so, was in Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. And he was also great in, um, he was in one of the Star Wars reboots, not reboots, but it's one of the more recent movies that came out. I forget the name, which one he was in, but he was evil. Um, but this is going to be an interesting, I'm not sure what it's going to do for the, the multiverse mm-hmm. and where it's going to go, but. Let's see what Samuel L. Jackson does with uh, working on television. Yeah, you've got a few small ones here. There's something called X-Men 97, which is animated. 
And then something called I Am Groot, which says it's going to be shorts about mm. Baby Groot's glory days. I feel like that should be animated, but it doesn't say. So I would, I was also thinking that same thing because it's made a point of saying what's animated. Except it what, also doesn't say that the what if is animated. Maybe they just assume we think we know. But that we know, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, the other one's also animated, though. I don't know. Should we just assume these are all animated? Because they have a Spider-Man that's also an animated one. Right, because it looks like anything past uh, the Guardians, Guardians of, the of the Galaxy holiday special is yeah. animated. Animated. Uh-huh. Interesting. And then I'm disappointed because they've announced that the zombies, Marvel Zombies, is going to be animated, not live action. I would love to see a live action. Yeah, me too. Let's do some grown-up stuff, Marvel. Yeah, seriously. Animation is okay, but... I'd rather mm-hmm. see real life... I mean, if you have Robert Kirkland, who has created this, you give him the wheel. I mean, Walking Dead is ending. Yeah, so he's going to be bored. Let's, exactly. let's I mean, there's going to be all these, like, zombie... I, I mean, some of the... T- things that you see that they create on the walking dead are amazing. So use that genius, use those effects and let's do something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To wrap this up, it's also worth noting that released on Disney plus today, which is the 12th of November is uh, Shang-Chi finally, and also jungle cruise. So you can watch that. And then there is apparently some, kind of teasery stuff for the adult shows that are mm-hmm. coming out, which are Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Moon Knight. And I guess also a Hawkeye clip. Now, I know I'm not going to watch any of these, but if you want to watch it, Alin, I guess it's <laughs> 14 minutes long. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So we know that Miss Marvel is going to be your, um, that's uh, Kamala Khan, your Pakistani American superhero and she's adorable and in the comics she's adorable and I'm really looking forward to this one uh, I hope that they can kind of nail her sort of lighthearted uh, character and then She-Hulk is as far as I remember about Bruce Banner's cousin she's like a relation to him or she was in the comics and she becomes Hulk by getting a blood transfusion um with bruce banner's oh i was gonna say from the hulk okay yeah so yeah i i don't know if they'll i don't know if they'll follow that but she's also a lawyer (laughs) so why not why Why not not? (laughs) um and then moon knight is probably your sort of darkest one which is sort of like i guess the maybe one way to describe it would be a cross between the punisher and legion Oh, so, so it's going to be dark, a dark. Yeah, it's, that should be a darker show. I don't know how dark they'll go, but that one in theory should be. Um, so yeah, there's there's your adulty ones, I guess. Um, and it but, says that Oscar Isaac is going to be in Moon Knight, so that's already so he will be Moon Knight would be the assumption, yeah, I guess. That and I mean he's such an amazing actor mm-hmm. as well, so he's going to bring some some uh, legitimacy. To the role. And I know that uh, we know who Kamala Khan is. Um, she's been cast and it's been announced, but has it been announced who's playing She-Hulk? Is that the girl from Orphan Black? Tatiana Tatiana It doesn't say, according to this article, it says they have, obviously, um, Iman Vellani is going to be Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Miss Marvel. Um, but that's it. It doesn't say... 
going to look this up because I swear I read that somewhere. Oh, it, I mean, if if it is, I mean, she played eight different people in Orphan Black. She can she can be She-Hulk. Oh, guess who's right? Oh, yay! <laughs> we didn't um, plan on the music, but just imagine it's there. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's awesome. Um, no, she's great. We got, some, she, we got some announcements for this show. Um, Mark Ruffalo is also in it, as well as Tim Roth. Which, you know, I was saying this to my sister. I'm like, eventually we're going to have to catch the Incredible Hulk mm. movie. Because Tim Roth was in one of the remakes. I'm not sure if it was the Ed Norton one. You know what? I'm in the same boat as you. I haven't seen these, so. Yeah, I have not seen The Incredible Hulk, so I'm Mm -hmm. keeping an eye on it almost for, like, if it's on Amazon for, like, $1.99 or something. I feel like it was on Disney at one point. Maybe they'll put it back on. Because I knew there was that whole thing, like, it's owned by Universal or it's a different studio that owns it. Mm. But, yeah, I just know that Tim Roth was in one of them. I'm not sure it w- whether it was the Eric Bana or the Ed Norton one. Back in the like early days of Marvel when stuff wasn't quite cohesive. Right. And things were not- <laughs> when Iron Man 2 happened. We won't talk about those days. <laughs> there were some dark days. Yes, there were some but- dark days. Mm-hmm. But when you go back and you watch them all in order, which I know we we both did within mm-hmm. the past year, it makes sense. You know, you can see where they were going and what they yeah. were trying to do. Yeah. With Some it. people learned how to make bread during the pandemic. I watched all the Marvel movies in order. So it, you know. it's true. We teach his own. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall we move on? Yes. Okay, cool. So we don't have a sound effect for this segment yet, but I feel like we should find one. So um, we'll give you like the angel chorus. Ah, <laughs> these bad movies. <laughs> oh, this okay. is this so, is so bad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> was it as bad as *Malignant*? First of all, and what we're gonna discuss here today, in case you have forgotten, is *Halloween Kills*. So on a scale from one to *Malignant*, how bad? Oh my goodness. I mean, it's difficult. It's so tough because with Malignant, they were really trying to make something that was going to shock the audience. Mm -hmm. Here, they're just like, we're just going to make something. This is a filler film because we've already decided it's going to be a trilogy. So people are just going to have to deal with it. Wow. <laughs> it I had high hopes for it only because the the universe cuz everything's a multiverse. I know, now. right? You can't just make a movie these days, god forbid. So the 2018 Halloween completely rebooted the series. And in the series, everyone knows that Laurie Strode is really Michael Myers' sister. What? Oh, I don't know. I'm not, not, not <laughs> seen any of these. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's like the big thing that is revealed in the Hel- Halloween 2 that comes out in like 1979. Oh, sorry. I'm way behind. It's okay. But it's not like it's kind of canon to it. Like, that's huh. why he's so motivated because he killed his entire family, but her. Uh huh. 
but so it's in, unfinished biz. Right. And in this this multiverse that exists now, they're not related. Oh. So, okay. Yeah, Doesn't so that he, take that motivation right out of it then? It it does. And he just wants to just kill people randomly and violently. I don't know if I'm getting older, but I was watching it. I'm like, this is excessive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm going to set this up for you, Jamie. Imagine, first of all. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining. You're imagining. So <laughs> you're, at, you're at home. I'm at home. I am right you're, now. This is easy to imagine. Okay, so you're at home. You're watching right. TV. You hear sure. a noise outside. Okay. You go outside. I'm on the second floor, s- so that would be tough. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. <laughs> so you're like, what is that? Is it what's going on? And then uh-huh. all of a sudden, yep. Michael Myers bursts through your window. Oh, that's that's great. Like you're just minding your own business. You're not impeding him in right. any way from going about what he's doing. I'm just trying to eat my Rice Krispie treats here, you know, just, you know, you're just living your life. Yeah. And he's in your house. Everyone's, you know, you're like, oh, no, it's Michael Myers. And he decides, you know, he follows you into the kitchen. There's a whole nice butcher set of knives right there. Right. Instead, he decides he's going to break the fluorescent light bulb above the stove and ram it through your head. Okay. Like, so that just seems not only excessive, but also like you're showing off at this point. And that's like the first 15 minutes of the movie. So he, mm-hmm. uh, as we talked about in the, when we watched the trailer, he just mows down a bunch of firefighters. Yeah, I have a big problem with this because I love firefighters. And you know what? A lot of people were upset by it. I guess there was a petition. I don't blame them. Yeah, there was a petition to like, what is the purpose of this? You can leave just show the firefighters him. alone. Okay. But, just leave the firefighters alone. Exactly. Because at They're the end, people. they keep California from burning to the ground every single year. They just work like, through a pandemic and this is what they get. I mean, also, I've been watching We Bear Bears on HBO and there oh. was a beautiful episode involving firefighters rescuing a bear from a tree. So just leave the firefighters alone. Oh, wait, I think I saw that one. Did you? With the burrito? Niece. Yes. And that's what's like, why does he love the burrito so much? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I love that we've both seen that. Yeah, because I was like, this is I'm like, why does he love the burrito so much? Like, oh. I got really into it. Yeah. <laughs> Such a great show. It is. Ice Bear loves that show. So good. Anyway, bears, bears are, bears are life. That's my Ted Lasso. Bears are life. (laughs) Football is life. (laughs) No bears. I mean, so at the end of the the Halloween that came out in 2018, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character has designed basically this basement that is going to trap Michael Myers and it is going to burn to the ground. Okay. Doesn't like a happen. reverse panic room. Right. It's like a reverse panic room. Everything that she's doing is leading him out here so that he can be trapped and destroyed. Doesn't work, obviously, because he's Michael not. Myers. Because then they couldn't make more money. Exactly. And the thing is, they could have just, I don't know, he could have just gotten himself out of the fire. Instead, he has to kill dozens upon dozens of firefighters with their chainsaws, with their axes. Wait, are they trying to rescue him at the time? Yes. Oh, my God. 
So there's like a phone call because it's like in the woods. She created, you know, because she's supposed to be playing like the survival of the fittest woman. Like she's been waiting her entire life for him to return. Oh so boy. they painted her as like this person that, you know, she grows her own food in the woods. She knows how to create explosives like a, a lady of the woods MacGyver, if okay. you would. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's it doesn't make any sense. They <laughs> no. don't try to have it make any sense. But, um, yeah, the firemen are there to rescue him, mm-hmm. kills all of them, and then goes and kills that couple who I just spoke about down the, light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, down the street. And he returns to his childhood home. It, it is kind of funny because the childhood home has been taken over by flippers who live there now and they fight. <laughs> It's like a beautiful house now, but he breaks in and he kills them. When you said flippers for a second, Did I you heard think slippers. I oh, heard, I had this strange visual of a house full of slippers. And I then thought I was you were flipping. picturing dolphins, like Flipper the Dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> like they're like, <laughs> um, that would have actually made a better movie. Yeah, maybe. But it, it, nothing happens in this movie that forwards any sort of plot that's just frustrating and there is going to be a third one this is going to be a self-enclosed trilogy and there it's like it's almost like that violent sort of torture porn that has become very vogue and they try to make it so the the city or town of Haddonfield Illinois is known as the birthplace of Michael Myers. So think of all these various serial killers. And the only thing that the town that they're from is known for is, Oh, that's where Ted Bundy was born. Yeah, that sucks. (laughs) So these people are so upset that Michael Myers is back, that he's broken out of the insane asylum. And it's only, it becomes like a vigilante film because they're going to find him. They're going to find Michael Myers, all of these townspeople led by uh, Anthony Michael Hall for whatever reason. Um, they're going to find him and they're going to destroy him. And there's a very frustrating scene because not only did Michael Myers escape, uh, because every sort of prisoner or psychiatric patient always escapes whenever there's a transfer on a bus. Oh, of course. Because that's what happens. It's cliche at this point. It is. It happens all the time. Whenever you see a bus on the side of the road, do not stop because I'm telling you, it's a hardened criminal or Mm -hmm. someone with psychiatric problems and you're just asking for trouble. You are. Don't help people. Moral of this story. Exactly. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. Call the call the police from a safe distance. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Never get out of your car. No. And the thing that it becomes ridiculous is there is another person who has escaped at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he is mistaken for Michael Myers. Even oh. though he's probably about four foot five and four foot five he's like the (laughs) shortest man i've ever seen (laughs) and he like he's uh he almost looked like he looks like danny devito in the penguin as the penguin (laughs) like there's an obvious difference between what michael myers looks like and this guy but the townspeople go insane and they chase this guy and try to round him up and kill him and everyone's like, that's not Michael Myers. And people are like, we don't care, dude. We just want to destroy people. Wow. <laughs> so without oh, spoiling it, without spoiling it, 
I'm gonna spoil it, whatever. Um the people seconds. It's done. So like Jamie Lee Curtis is literally in the movie for ten minutes. Oh, okay. She is there because she escaped Michael Myers the first time. They take her to the hospital. She's in the hospital. She's in like one room of the hospital for the entire story. And they eventually find Michael Myers. Does he end up in the hospital trying to go after her? Well, he that's what they think. They think that she's go- that he's going to come to the hospital to kill her, but he's really returning to his childhood home and he kills the two individuals who are just a delightful gay couple. I mean, not that like it makes any difference, but they're just delightful. They're enjoying Halloween. Um, they're listening to great music. They have a charcuterie board that I would. I, I was just like, this looks like a great night. Like they're playing vintage records and Michael Myers has to come and ruin it. That's just wrong. It's so wrong. And the townspeople finally catch up to him. And I'm talking, he is shot, stabbed, beaten with a baseball bat. Anything that could happen to him happens to him. And he still lives. So are they trying to claim that he's like not human at this point? I mean, is there just is that where we're going? Like in the last movie, is he going to take his mask off and he's like some weird lizard creature zombie thing? I would actually be impressed if they did that, because there is no way that any individual. And of course, even though he's been, you know, basically tried to be murdered in a million different ways, he still gets up and kills like 15 people, the 15 people who are trying to do that to him. And he kills Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter. So she's going to be really upset when she gets out of the hospital, but it's just stretching. I mean, I think in the eighties, the eighties movies had a certain tongue in cheek aspect to them. Like, it's like, this guy's not going to die. He's like the Terminator. It's like, ha, 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 let's see him. But this one's trying to be more serious and failing. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the problem with Malignant, too. Mm-hmm. But this one, you just had a little bit higher expectations because the, the actual Halloween from 2018 wasn't bad. It uh-huh. wasn't great. But it wasn't horrible. Right. You're like, okay, I see why they made this movie. I see why, because there's been so many reboots of this movie. The I remember a couple of years ago, Rob Zombie did a reboot. Um, it's yeah. just, it had something to say that hadn't been said by the other movies. So you really thought that the second movie was going to build upon that. But I don't know if it's the curse of the sequel or right. curse of bad writing. Right, but well. it was, yeah. <laughs> So I'm not that excited. I don't. Uh, I got Peacock, so the Peacock Network, so I could watch this. Mm-hmm. Which um, I'm going to be canceling the Peacock because it's been a month. But it's not a bad streaming service. There's it's it has a lot of like older stuff on it. There's Punky Brewster, Say by the Bell. It's very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. So it's not a bad streaming service, but completely unnecessary for what I need. I mean, if I was a huge fan of The Office, I would get it because it's the only place you could watch The Office. And I know that people who love The Office will just watch it over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But there's nothing 
on there, like the intellectual property can be found in other places with the, you know, a few exceptional shows. Mm -hmm. But I got it because I was very happy that Peacock was offering it in theaters and on Peacock. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to complain about the fact that I got to watch it from the comfort of my own home. I am happy that I only paid $5 for a month versus paying like, you know, $8 for a movie ticket plus popcorn. Cause what am I like a serial killer? You have to get popcorn when you go to the movies. So it's like, I'm glad that I got to save that money, but I'm just really disappointed in Halloween kills. Mm. Yeah. sounds not fantastic. No. All right. Well, Another segment of Alin Reviews Bad Movies. Oh. And I, I will tell you that um, I, at some point, because this is episode 18, so technically our podcast can uh, can vote now. Oh, yeah. Technically, nice. right? It's, Soon it'll it, be able to drink. It's uh, Yeah. I mean, it's growing up right before our eyes. Uh, and um, we've got some stuff coming up, but I will be watching The Forever Purge. At some point. Oh, boy. <laughs> I have a feeling we'll be doing a segment. Okay. So, hey, I'm down for another one. Yeah. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, Should we I call guess this one Jamie, Jamie Reviews Bad Movies? Or Jamie Reviews Movies That Turned Out to Be Bad. That Should Have Never Been Made. Yeah. Um. So, here's the thing with The Green Knight. Like, the and I I kind of did a um I kind of did a, a a poetry summary thing you know back in the day um and the the poem is very strange I'm not gonna lie it's a strange piece of writing what happened with this movie that weirdly is that he strayed too far from the original is problem number one. And that he, the, the director who was also wrote this admitted that he used it as a way to explore the relationship with his own mother. And that oh. was a bad, bad move. Um, because basically in the original writing, Morgana is, you know, kind of like King Arthur and the Knights nemesis. You know, she's always kind of the thorn in their side and she's the the female evil magician to Merlin's male good magician you know they're they're the the foils to each other in the original writing the Morgana just wanted to punish somebody and I okay. can't remember specifically if she had Gawain in mind or if she didn't care who took her quest she just wanted to punish anybody because she hated King Arthur and the Knights. She thought they were sort of chauvinistic pigs. And in many ways, they were. I was going to say, she's not wrong. No, I mean. she's absolutely not wrong. Um, but she she sent a knight, essentially, to potentially his death. You know, this was this was a test um, to prove whether or not he was worthy. And in the poem, Gawain is not worthy. And he never takes the magical belt off, which, by the way, he gets from the Lord, not from Morgana. Right. And I was I was confused about that because I know that we had talked about it in a previous pod and you had mentioned it. And I was like, I don't think that's right. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's not. 
And um, so in, in this movie, he turns Morgana into Gawain's mother. So now you have this problematic thing of what the heck is the point? Because if she's trying to test Gawain, I'm going to spoil the end. I don't think there's any way I can get around this. So I right. didn't spoil it because I felt very <laughs> dumb watching this movie. I will um, tell you that much. I'm going to tell you guys this much. This movie is not worth watching. But if you do want to give it a try, stop listening now, go watch it, and then come back. Because I am literally about to spoil the ending. Here we well, go. Uh, before before you spoil the ending, I will say that it was beautifully shot. It sure. Great visuals. Uh, great Great performances by everyone in the movie. Oh, yeah. But I texted you and said, if you had not told me what the plot was, I would not know what was going on. Even knowing what the plot is, I think you're lost in, in some ways because he strays so far from it. You know, the the biggest part of that poem is the game that he plays with the Lord, where the Lord says, I'm going to go hunting for three days and I'm going to give you everything I get hunting and you're going to give me everything you get in the castle. And for some reason, the director was like, hmm, this is the biggest part of the book. Let's slice it down to nothing, you know, and just like that's what I was confused about because I kept really waiting for th- I kept waiting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, okay, finally there. There. And it was And I'm like, minutes. there's only 20 minutes left, like of the yeah. movie. It was something like I'm like, okay. Yeah. And he he added in all this other stuff and he focused on weird stuff. Um anyway, I'm gonna read you some quotes here from the I have some quotes from the director, which I okay. think helped to help us figure out why this is such a mess. But the basic idea here is In the poem, Gawain does not die. He goes out on his quest. He is shown by the Green Knight to be unworthy, and he comes back to King Arthur's court with his shame. So he is it is it is shown that he is not honorable, but he does not die. Hmm. In this movie, Gawain dies. It's confirmed. By the director that he dies at the end. And the reason that he is killed is because that scene that we see at the very end, which basically lays out Gawain's future, what will happen if he keeps the girdle on. If he keeps the girdle on, the Green Knight will not be able to kill him. He will go back. They made him like King Arthur's cousin in this, which I don't know if he was for real, but they made him King Arthur's cousin. So he inherits the throne when Arthur dies. He's a horrible king. Everything goes to war, and in the end, his whole family is killed, and he's killed in some horrible battle, and you get the impression that the world would be better off if he's dead. He also gets this impression from seeing that vision, willingly takes off the girdle, and lets the Green Knight kill him to save the kingdom from this (sighs) horrible creature with him in it. And thus he is killed. And you're supposed to think, wow, what an honorable sacrifice. He was such a craptacular person that he let himself be murdered so that he wouldn't screw up the whole kingdom. Like, yeah. So but here's the problem. We come back to the fact that Morgana was the mother in this of Gawain, which is not true in the poem. Again, not true. And so you're left thinking why would his mother send him to his death? Right. So here's what the director said. Like he said, it became a drama about a mother and a son. 
all of a sudden I was writing about my own relationship with my mom and the fact that I stayed, I lived under her roof for far longer than I should have. I had failure to launch syndrome and she eventually had to force me out. So that's what he turned Gawain into himself and his mother, quote unquote, forcing him out, which is fine, except Gawain dies, right? So then that's one way to force someone out. Someone exactly. Else. Bye. Off to your death. Now, the director was asked about this. Right. Like what was what was Morgana's, you know, end game here? Is she rooting for her son, trying to torment him? Is she protecting him? Is she sending him to his death? And the director says the answer is just that it's messy. I think about that in my relationship with my mom. It's just a messy relationship and probably not exclusive to my own relationship with my mom. So not only do you not answer the question with that, but you basically are insinuating that you wouldn't be surprised if your own mother sent you to your death. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So the fact that this writer slash director used this movie to try and work through his mommy issues ruins the movie for me like it's so bad (laughs) well and it's all it would have been cheaper to just go to therapy than seriously but yeah so um so yeah we have this this centuries-old medieval text about King Arthur and knights and honor, and it gets turned into a sort of therapy session where you're just, at the end, left up feeling very, very confused. Was this a quest where Gawain was destined to die? Was there a chance he could save himself? Did his mother want him to leave the immortality belt on, come back, and ruin the kingdom? Was that her goal? Like, you know, I have no idea. And, and and the director has no idea either. He straight up told us that. <laughs> I I mean, for, for me, I'm like, who is this movie for? Yeah, who's, the, who's the audience, right? Yeah, who's the, who, who's the person who, when they were pitching this, this movie will appeal to what demographic? And I that, mean, some of the stuff that they, that they did, I just found really frustrating, like, So in the beginning, they had Gawain have this girlfriend who was, I mean, my impression was that she was a prostitute. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Um, And, you know, but she was obviously in love with him and he was obviously not in love with her. I know. And and his 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 love with her was I don't know if he really was in love with her, but thought he couldn't be because he was like royalty and she was just a prostitute. But they had the same actress play the lady of the castle later right and that was very confusing not i mean just from a visual standpoint like is this the same person or just the same actress playing a different person like what's the point is this a metaphor or are we supposed to be confused but anyway the whole point of this thing was that um she was gonna tempt Gawain three times in the in the poem and he resisted the temptation But she gave him the belt and he didn't give the belt to the Lord. And that was the whole point of the game was you give me what you get and I give you what I get. The lady gave him the invincibility belt and he didn't give it back. He kept it. Um, In this movie, they change all that. And the mother has given him the invincibility belt from the beginning of the, the movie, I guess. But when they get to this part in the castle, they add in the most disturbing sex scene <laughs> that oh. is just like 
she tempts him and he immediately just gives in. Like, yeah, I just I'm left sitting there like, did you give in because you see this woman as a prostitute? Because that's what she was to you at the beginning of the movie. And it's the same actress. So what's the message? I don't know. And that was the thing in, in talking to you about it. Was I'm like, wait a second, he didn't give in. Like, no, wasn't that right? I'm like, that that was the whole point. It was about nobility and honesty. And I'm like, I ha-, and, and at this point, the movie was already like two hours in. Yeah. When all and I'm just like, this is a very long, slow movie, and I'm not sure what it is that yeah. I'm supposed to be getting from this film, if anything. Yeah, and you're not like you're not getting wonderful action scenes or set pieces or anything like that. I mean, Gawain is 100 percent incompetent, incompetent at everything he does. Mm-hmm. Like literally, he can barely ride a horse. So <laughs> <laughs> and like the director, like when you read stuff about the director, he's just as confused as the rest of us. Because like, I don't know if you remember the very beginning of the movie when Gawain is leaving Camelot and he's on his horse and he's going down this path and he arrives at like this crossroad and there's a, there's a cage at the crossroad and there's a guy in the cage and yes. he's dead. It's a skeleton, right? Well, the director has said that he included that because that scene reminded him of Mad Mardigan from Willow. And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> what like, are you doing? It, wow. And I'm not making this up. These are the director's own words. I remember, I'm trying to find the article, but I remember seeing an article that said that this is like someone who's in film school, like their parents gave them a lot of money to go make a movie. And that this is like the culmination of like all their years in film school because it's completely pretentious. Yes, it is. And I think where you see that the most is like, there's this shot at the very end of the movie where um, it's this long drawn out shot on the green knight's face and his face is slowly like changing a little bit. And it starts with like it it's first it's like King Arthur's face and then it's like the Gawain's face and then it's the girl's face and it just keeps like changing and changing into different faces. And the director has this comment on this that's like, The Green Knight is somehow everyone and takes the story beyond the simple duality of the poem. It is the entire journey. And all of these encounters have all been about the pursuit of one thing. And it all goes back to the choice that Gawain makes, which is why the final face you see there is his own. And I'm like, whoa, dude. (laughs) Like, this guy sounds like the person that you get stuck talking to at a party and you're like okay like you're trying to like be like someone i get i'm gonna go check uh if the chips need need to be filled up like is he's like right now yeah like because he's just like talking and talking and talking it's like that's that's great cool yeah cool story bro (laughs) i know exactly because i'm just like what is this what am I watching? I watched it. I had to watch it in parts because yeah, it made me sleepy. Yeah. And this was like, this was not late when I started to watch it. It was probably like eight. And I was like nine o'clock. I was like, I'm tired. This movie's yeah. making me tired. I mean, even just like, I don't know, like the more you read about it, the more you're just 
so confused about what what this guy wanted to do with it, you know, like because because the 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 reviewer that I'm read this this article that I'm reading about it's from Vanity Fair. Like the reviewer is asking him, you know, what what are you supposed to what are you trying to say in the end, right? And right. he says it's an ambiguous conclusion with an ambiguous antagonist. So the good news is it can mean whatever you want it to mean. No, 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 no don't do that. That's dumb. That means it means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have an answer and you're trying to make it sound like we should understand it, but you don't even understand it. Right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like there's just a lot of problems here. And that's why I say the, the poem was unfilmable and it still is because I am not convinced that this movie has anything really to do with the poem. It's certainly really not about honor um, it doesn't follow the main plot of the poem. It changes the entire ending. It's all about mommy issues. I don't really know what to do with it at this point. But other than tell you, don't. <laughs> Just don't even try. <laughs> no. No. And I, I, I completely agree. And this was something that I think, especially you, because you, you said it was unfilmable. I think you already went in being like, I don't know about this. And then it just confirmed your worst fears. Yeah. I mean, it would have been great if they could have done something with it. And I was like, wow, that was a cool King Arthurian romp about honor. And there was some cool sword fights and the green knight looked great. And Gawain got his honor back at the end. And, you know, I would have been like, cool. All right. Fair enough. You know, but no, this was like, this was like the director's $100 million therapy session. And it's just, it doesn't mean anything to us. It's just for him and doesn't work. Yeah. And there you have it. The Green Knight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we move on now? <laughs> yeah, let's talk. About, I mean, we're just going from mommy issue to mommy issue, right? Oh, like that's what <laughs> oh I... You know, okay, this is a weird place to start, but since you brought it up, this is Dune now. Yeah, Just we're talking about Dune 2021. There was a super disturbing shot in this movie where both Lady Jessica and Paul have to change their clothing, and they both turn around and look at each other changing, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I will tell you that in my 40 years of life, I have never changed in a room with my mother or my father, ever. Back well, to back. It looked desert, but still. I know, you but don't, it, like, take a peek back to see, like. Mm. No, you'd have to. You, I would have to shove my head into the sand if that ever happened. Yeah, that was that was uncalled for. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so, this, so Dune. I yes. so Dune Part One because oh, it's not necessary. Because it was, by the time I watched it, they had already announced, and I know we were going to talk about it, but we replaced it. Um, you know, the Dune 2, Part 2 is coming. Yeah, making it. Mm -hmm. But when, and I had known that, but if I had watched it going in, I'd be like, Part 1? Like, if because it did take a few days for the sequel to get announced. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, I think they wanted to see what the numbers were like. I will say that there's only, this is the second movie that I have watched from home that I wish I saw in the theaters. Oh, really? You Why? Can I ask why? Because I don't. Just, oh, see, well, 
I so the first is In the Heights, the Lin Manuel Miranda oh, movie. Was it good? It was very good, and the attention to detail that he had in the background scenes, and I mean just the dancing and everything, made you, you know, want to experience. I keep trying to get you to watch the Vanity Fair reviews, but the I dance know. choreographer from In the Heights has done a Vanity Fair review. Okay, I will watch it. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it was something that was very expansive and you needed to see the details. So with this, I'm not saying I, I think it's a great movie and I wished I had gone to the theater. Just cinematically, the way yeah, things were. Yeah, visually, mm-hmm. it was very, you know, the way that they set up the the desert. Um, it was very similar to his Blade Runner movie. Exactly. Yeah, it had so, that same feel to it. I'm not saying I was like, oh, I wish I'd, but I, I feel like this was a movie that was made to see on the big screen and there is mm-hmm. some visual elements lost in translation. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. So, There's also a lot of non-visual elements that are lost in translation here. I don't do see whatever do this is. Do we want to review or do you want to just ask your questions? Should we? Re- well, here, here's, here's my questions. And some okay. of them have, have been answered. Um, by me looking them up. But so I'm watching this mm-hmm. this movie and I'll kind of, you know, we'll kind of go through it. There's a lot of vocabulary, which yes. as I was watching this, I kept saying to myself, man, if you hadn't read this book, this vocab is going to just smack you right in the face. I mean, there were even a few times where Damien looked at me and he was like, what's a blank? Like, you know, just what's a thumper? What's a this? What's a that? Because they don't explain any of it. You know, no. you just here it is. Here's a Chris knife. It's important. Oh, by the way, it would probably be good to know that Chris knives are, na- are made from the teeth of those giant sandworms. You know, that might be important to know, but you know, no, it's, it's, it's like, Oh, Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So my questions that I was looking at, cause the, the first thing that I had, first of all, I don't understand the appeal of Timothy Chalamet. I don't, I know I'm not his target demographic. I know right. the young, the young lady swoon, they do love oh, him. Yeah, they love him. I don't know what it is. I can confirm everybody who I teach at the school who went to see this movie was a young girl who just wanted to swoon. I mean, I'm at the and I'm sure you're at the age where I was swooning over Oscar Isaac instead. I'm just like, hey, wasn't crazy about his beard, but I get it. No, mm-hmm. no. But he's just I don't know. There's something about him. <laughs> so the first question I have, which which has been answered um, was which came first, Star Wars or Dune? And oh. I now know that it was Dune. Mm-hmm. And that George Lucas was very much inspired by the Frank Herbert novel. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of similarities and overlap. Yeah, for sure. I mean, George Lucas stole from everywhere. Let's be honest here. Right. And this was the, and I think this is the problem when you watch something. So obviously there was the, you know, I forget. I know it's in the mid 80s, like the 80s version of Dune that is oh, critically, right. It's critically panned. No one who's attached to it is proud of it. Yeah. But when you're watching something, the the, the original novel was written in the 60s. So mm-hmm. you're watching something in 2021 and you're seeing. There's nothing really new about it because it has been cannibalized by every sci fi thing you have ever watched in your life yeah so that you're already putting yourself kind of behind the eight ball if you're trying to make this movie because you already know it's going to get compared to all that other stuff and probably like wrongfully compared in some ways because right. this technically did come first 
I mean, the only thing that came firster is John Carter of Mars, but um. And I mean, it's your it's your standard. Uh, you know, we we are gonna have some spoilers. Just like just a spoiler. You know, not everyone makes it. Dude, the uh, novel has been out since the 60s. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, so you have a, a essentially a boy king, one could mm-hmm. say, who has to assume power before he's ready. And he's fighting what could be called an evil empire who is working to undermine him. So he teams up with a scrappy group of individuals who oppose the empire and they are going to work together to bring the empire down. None of that is gonna really happen. <laughs> no, that's how no. it made it set. That's so that was the impression mm. I got, knowing nothing about Dune, knowing nothing about what occurs later. That was my impression of the okay. first film, and then that the second film was just gonna be all action about uh, no, no. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> okay. So having read the book, I'm gonna try my best to dance around this. It's more about, oh, how can I say this without sounding like a total wanker? (laughs) Um, Okay, so it's about Paul and how totally super duper freaking awesome, amazing he is. And he's better than everyone ever. And all of these women who are the Bene Gesserit, who are like really super powerful and amazing. No, he's better because he's the male version of that. Right. So there was a lot of like prophecy. Yeah. But here's the thing that I don't think you get from the movie. The prophecies that he has can be changed. They are not set in stone. And so in the book, you get the very distinct impression that he wants to avoid this war. Um, That he's trying to have it not happen. But to be bluntly honest, the stuff that you're kind of foreseeing in the future is not even in the first book and is not even Paul. It's his kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I want to say Jessica's daughter, too, because she's pregnant right now. She is pregnant. Yeah, I know. So yeah. they were, I read a little bit, but I stopped reading it because it was talking mm-hmm. about what was most likely going to happen yeah. with her having a daughter. And I said, I don't, I don't want to know. Yeah. I mean, do you want me to set up the second movie for you or do you just want to go? Well, I just so I the the question, the other question that I have is like. What does spice symbolize anything? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Okay, like, yes. Um, Okay. so the thing with the spice is it's it sort of symbolizes a lot of things and. That's great and sucks at the same time because you run into that green knight syndrome where on the one hand, the spice symbolizes addiction. Um, On the other hand, the spice symbolizes like wealth, power, commodity. And on the other hand, the spice symbolizes colonialism and, you know, sort of taking advantage of the native population. And, you know, it's all of this at once. Um, It reminded me of oil. Yes, it, it's kind of similar if you could eat oil and also become addicted to it. <laughs> okay, because I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, I'm trying to... Because you the know. semen, you know, you can use spice, you can obviously eat it, but the the reason why the Imperium wants it is because it powers their ships. So it's it's everything. And it's, which makes it like the MacGuffin of all MacGuffins, which is kind of a pain because... 
They're, they should tell you in the second movie where the spice comes from, which is very okay. interesting. So you should get that. Um, the second movie is just a lot of Freeman stuff. Fremen. I always said Freeman when I read the book. And then the movie, they were like Fremen. And I was like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> I, because I was like, what is the name of these people? Yeah, because so weird. <laughs> there's so many different things going on that I was trying to figure out how everything works so, together. Yeah, I mean, the problem. There's the big problem that I have, and this problem, Damien note. I give Damien a lot of credit. He noticed it right away, and it's the same problem that's in the book. And the problem is, why did you send this family just to kill them to this other planet? Like, what was the point? Because it all starts with the Atreides family being ordered by the emperor to go run the spice trade on, what is it, Arrakis? That that sounds right. So the, the, the emperor says, you need to up yourself and move to this planet. We need to get the Harkonnes out of here. You're going to run this planet right now. And you get the impression that the Emperor is in conflict with the Harkonnes because they're becoming too wealthy and powerful by hoarding and manipulating and running the spice trade, mm-hmm. which makes total sense. No, and that's what, you know, you're saying it. I'm like, yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. So far, so good. I get right. it. So then immediately what happens is the Harkins, Harkonnes, I'm getting this wrong, but you get who I'm talking about. I, I know who you're talking about. Amy McFadderson who floats. So yes. you, who's you, still in you, Skarsgård. I was I like, know, what are right? you doing? A million pounds of, of costume. Yeah. So, um, you know, they immediately turn around, attack the Atreides family, destroy everything and presumably kill everyone so that they can get back in there and run the spice trade themselves again. Now, this would be fine if the army that the Harkins used to attack the planet was not the emperor's own military. So now you're asking yourself, whose side is the freaking emperor on? This doesn't make any sense. If the emperor wanted the Harkins off Arrakis because they were getting too powerful, why would the same emperor turn around and lend an army to the Harkins to go kill the Atreides family. Doesn't make any sense at all. Logically, politically, mm-hmm. it doesn't work for me. And that's the biggest problem in both the movie and the book is you don't understand anyone's motivations because they're all like a plot within a plot within a plot. And it's the same problem in the book. It's not really well explained. It's just like the exp- explanation is, well, there's many chess pieces and those chess pieces move a million years into the future. And we once again, know. that's a non answer. Yes, it doesn't <laughs> work. So <laughs> the main point is, you know, you end up you end up while you're watching this movie going, well, we had to kill all the Atreides off because plot. So here we go, you know, and it just doesn't work. So you you want to make this big, serious political drama, but you faltered on the first step, you know, uh, it just, I don't know. Anyway, and then I know a bunch of people were really upset because Zendaya's only role in this movie is to be like in weird visions. <laughs> She's and and that's the fault. And I, I that's the fault of the marketing department because mm-hmm. they heavily featured her in the trailers for something that from what I gather is going to be a bigger role in part two, but for this purpose, except that's also a problem because she's not going to be. Okay. So here's the problem. The problem is 
that the guy who wrote the book and call it what you will, he wrote it in the 60s. He's never had a date in his life. I don't know what the problem is, but he can't write women. He can only write types. And the types that he can write are the fantasy, the mother and the crone. That's it. So she's the fantasy. Lady Jessica is the mother and you haven't met the crone, but you will in movie two. Oh, so I thought it was the other one. I thought it was. uh, Yeah, she's also a crone. She's proving the point. Yeah, because she's the reverend. I thought the reverend mother would have. So she's the crone. There's another one. Oh, okay. But the problem is, is like this guy coming in to direct this movie is now like, well, I got to deal with this issue because like there are straight up lines in this book, Alin. The lines are like. It's better to be a concubine than a wife because when you're a concubine, you're actually loved. And when you're a wife, you don't even know if you're loved. I'm like, whoa, dude. Oh, man. Like, there's one point where, like, Lady Jessica has a discussion with Chani, who's Zendaya, who's like, oh, no, no, you don't want to marry my son. Because if you marry him, then, you know, that's just going to ruin his chances to marry some royalty somewhere and have political motivations. You just want to be his, 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 uh, I don't know what you would, concubine. it's awful it's so bad and like the director had the chance to like really change this and he made very small steps i mean he made lady jessica slightly more powerful but he still didn't marry her to duke atreides he could have married them didn't do it um and he even kept in the line where they're lying in bed and the duke is like i wish i had married you and i'm like come on that was the thing i thought they were married Watching the movie. And then when he said that, I'm like, they're not married. (laughs) It's, you know, it's just as a lady watcher, it's just very frustrating because every time you introduce a female character, you introduce them in a way that makes them seem very powerful. And then you introduce the measures to take them down. Lady Jessica is very powerful, but Paul is her as a male who's more powerful. Mm-hmm. Zendaya is very independent. Can't have that. Got to turn her into Paul's concubine. You know, it's like it's just one after the next after the next. And it's just it's just frustrating as a as a as a lady watcher and or reader. It's it's almost demeaning, you know, and I just uh, I wanted the movie to handle that better. And so far, it just hasn't shown me that it can, you know. I did read somewhere that as the series, the book series progresses, he gets a, the, the author, Frank Herbert, gets a little better writing women, but uh, not not a lot. But he also gets to the point where you can tell that Duncan Idaho is the greatest living God known to man and does things with women just to have really lovely babies and you know mm. all right so mm. now here here's my other question this okay vo- the, the voice thing that they use oh yes to manipulate yeah. that's so a Bene Gesserit it, thing okay so they're the only ones who can do it except for Paul because Ex- you know Special. But he's not good at well he he's not spending the time that he should to become yes he's not as good it. as she is yet okay because I was like I put it, this was before the I looked up the Star Wars stuff is the voice like the Force yeah it hmm. 
Kind of, but it's it's just the voice. They can't really do other things with it. Paul okay. also has the ability to see snippets of the future. Um, he, and we knew we knew this was going to happen because we talked about this as me being someone who knows nothing about. And it's just so hard to explain, you right, know. And and like you knowing all of this about, you know, the the intricacies. The other thing that I read that people were very excited about, but I don't know how important it is, is that mouse creature. People were really excited about it. That little mouse guy. Uh. There's no. They just they just think it's cute. Yeah, I oh. guess. <laughs> okay, I was like, is this something that is going to become like a creature that eventually guides the maybe I, in a book that I didn't read. Okay, the worms are far more important. I mean, I was getting Beetlejuice vibes, but that's because I'm an idiot when it comes to. <laughs> I I don't think you're that far off, to be honest with you. It was like I Beetlejuice mean, and Tremors. That's what I yeah. was thinking and, of. I mean, obviously this was first, so you right. know you're running into right. that issue again too. So, I mean, to wrap this all up, I didn't hate this movie. I really disliked The Green Knight, and I know you really disliked Halloween Kills. I did not really dislike Dune. I found some of it frustrating. I wanted it to be better. And I also really didn't think it had to be two movies, mainly because the problem you end up with here is this first movie has no climax. The fight scene that the, that occurs at the end of this movie is like 40 seconds long and nothing special. And it's nothing special in the books either. So I think it just ends very abruptly. It does. For it, me. It, but at the same time, um, the Fellowship of the Ring did the same thing. So True. I can't really like you know like poo poo on it too much because this the this is not like this has never been done before but, but here's the difference with that lord of the rings knew they had a second movie that's true <laughs> so they could do that this would have been i think for me i would not i didn't i didn't love it i thought it was very well made i'm interested to see what happens in the second movie which i will yes. see but if this movie just didn't have a second part it would change how I feel about the movie. Yeah, I agree with you because it would do that Mortal Kombat thing that we talked about. Mm-hmm, that we I don't like. No. We're just yeah. Yeah. All right. So ultimately, I would say make watch up it. Yeah, yeah. I would say yeah, watch it. It's not something that you're gonna be. You know, you're not gonna be like I just wasted. Nah. Time. It's you're it's gonna, gonna make you parts of it. You're gonna yeah. parts of it. It's and gonna it's make you think. It's beautiful. It is a beautifully shot film. Another great cast. Yeah, beautiful people. Yeah, for beautiful sure. people. Except and I, <laughs> I and I was like, I was like, oh, I want to be addicted to spice. Look at those baby blues popping. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. Yeah. They talk a lot about the spice in the book and what what you can do with it, and it's just it's just a catch all, you know. It's it's one of those things where it's kind of unfair how much you can do with the spice because then the author can just use it for anything. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. All right. Well, that was Dune. That are, I guess, I guess we're going to go with uh, thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs sideways, make up your own mind on the third one. Yeah. I think I don't, th- I don't think you'll be disappointed watching Dune. Yeah. You, you might be confused. Right. And you might not like the, where the story ultimately is going, or maybe you don't like some sort of other aspect of it, but it's something that is well made, well acted, well filmed. 
And if you don't like it, it's just because it's something that you're just not, maybe you're not interested in the, the sci-fi aspect of it, but it's, it's not. not yeah. Yeah. It's fair enough. Yeah. All right. So um, let's move on to our three things that stood out. Um, we'll probably have this one might be the first one might be the longest and then two short ones. So right. um, we did want to bring up the ending to what if we're not going to do a full review here, but uh the what if um animated series did end a, a little while back hopefully and it's it. and it's getting a second season like yes, we talked about is. whenever we started yep. yeah whenever we started talking so, so remember you know, that an hour and a half ago so <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but one thing i will say is that they kind of fooled us here and saying that they kind of hinted that there were going to be sequels to all of these mm-hmm. there weren't sequels instead all of the various what ifs rolled together into I was the gonna ending. S- I was going to say that it was almost like callbacks. Yeah. They all kind of rolled together into the end in a way that I, I will admit I thought was kind of brilliant. The only misstep was not their fault. And um, the only misstep was that there was a Gamora character in the ending of what if that was called by the watcher to fight uh vision ultron vision tron yeah and uh vistron and (laughs) (laughs) and um this gamora character was supposed to have her own standalone episode so that we would know who she was when she came into the final episode but that episode never got made because of covid so there was a little bit of confusion at the beginning of the ending of this this what if where the watcher goes and says, you, Gamora, you've been chosen. And you're like, who's this? Was it? Because everybody else, you knew who it was. You know, it, right. was, it was like Cthulhu, Doctor Strange and, you know, all these other characters that you had seen their episodes. But this Gamora came out of nowhere. But that wasn't really their fault. This episode just didn't quite get done. So um, but other than that. All of these other characters come back, even Killmonger, which was like, mm, I don't know. I know it's like uh, even the, the the zombie Scarlet Witch came back, which I was like, oh, that was yeah. I loved that they brought all the zombies in and just dumped them on Viztron. That was just great. That was I was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what did you think of the ending of this? I know you were iffy on the what ifs. <laughs> did you? <laughs> did this do it for you? I you know I really did enjoy it um the way that everything came together because there were certain episodes that i know i was eh, about like the the doctor strange episode i also didn't love the thor episode either i don't think we talked about that um thor. i i didn't mind that one it was yeah. it was very um I didn't like Jane's character in it, but uh, no. but I was but like, was, wow, you got Natalie Portman to come back and do a voice. Yeah, do Good for this. You. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but you know, I think Bro Thor was sort of redeemed in this last episode. Right. I think Cthulhu Doctor Strange was redeemed in this episode. I mean, the only person who wasn't redeemed was Killmonger, and that was frustrating because they made it seem like that character was unredeemable, which I don't agree with, but. Everybody else got this like really cool moment in the sun that I think really made the whole series for me. No, and I mean, I agree um, with the fact that like the separate pieces combined made it stronger. Yes. So even if you didn't like one episode, you understand why that episode existed to build the overall mythology of the what if. 
That's a good way of saying it. They all kind of made sense by the end. Even the standalone ones that were like, like you said, the Thor one seemed like it had no real point in the overall kind of Mm -hmm. mythos of this show. When they brought bro Thor in at the end, and he really was actually quite helpful, um, you know, you kind of look back on that episode and you're like, okay, that episode was all right, but I'm okay with bro Thor. He's a good dude, you know? So, you know, it, it did help you in the end. It's true. So I, it, I, that's what I appreciated. And I guess it's, um, I always appreciate when there's an overall goal to a yeah. season. Especially since you didn't know there was. Yes. And it, it kind of was very surprising. And I, I got to kind of give them some kudos for that. Right, because at first, I think, you know, a lot of the things I was reading and I kind of felt like, yeah, these are fun episodes, but it's more like fan fiction. Yeah. Or, so it's kind of like, yeah, these are fun. But what is I always I I guess it's because life doesn't answer this question. What does it all mean? Like, we're yeah. never going to know the answer. So when I watch no. a television show, I want to know what does it all mean? And mm-hmm. not only did they do it in a brilliant way that you didn't see coming, but they did it in a way that makes all of the different characters really likable and really you you understand where the different storylines were going. Why? I mean, even the Captain Carter episode, yeah. I didn't love. I loved yeah. her in this one. But I yet her, her relationship with Black Widow in this one was heartbreaking. It was. And that, that felt like an amazing payoff because that Captain Carter, I think, had lost her version of Black Widow. And then this version of Black Widow had lost her everything. Right. And you put the two of them together and it was like they innately knew that they were supposed to be best friends. And that was real touching in a very strange way. And it's just weird to think that this clunky little animated show pulled itself together way better than the Green Knight ever could. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think what I ultimately want to say about this is If you were on the fence about watching the what ifs, if you weren't thinking, oh, I don't know about these little standalones, maybe you watched a few of them and you were not like sold. I kind of would suggest pushing through them all Mm -hmm. and just getting to that end because I hate to say it, but it's worth it. It is press on, like continue (laughs) to go because I I think, you know, you and I were both kind of like, okay, eh, like that wasn't great. Okay, sure. It wasn't something like, wow, (laughs) exactly. I mean, it wasn't, it's something I watched. It wasn't something that I felt like I had to watch immediately when it came out. So, but it's, I will watch the second season now with renewed hope. Oh, absolutely. And I'll be watching it as it comes out the day of. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. The ending of What If stood out for sure. Watch it. Yeah. All right. Number two. Um, this will be real quick. Um, but I was watching, and I will say, I will say that I haven't finished this show, and I'm not honestly sure that I will because it's pretty tropey. But I'm watching a detective show. Um, that's based in Finland. It's called Border Town, and I'm always trying to watch detective crap. Uh, Netflix is always recommending detective crap to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they know you. They know you. Was that for some detectives. Uh, But I'm a little bit picky these days with my time. So one thing that I did notice about Border Town that I think 
every other detective show needs to adopt immediately is this. Now, when normal detective shows happen, you have one of two types. You have the one episode is a crime that is resolved by the end of the episode, which would be your like Criminal Minds, Castle, NCIS kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have the opposite, which is the whole season is a crime. Which is your mayor of East Town? Yeah, the know, the kill the killing. So, um, those are your two main types. What Border Town does is a crime is as many episodes as it is. Ooh. So the first season for of this show, I want to say, is three or four crimes, and they are two to four episodes each. Okay. Based on what they needed. And I, I'm i not going to say this is a fantastic show, but that formatting works so well. I think that it needs to be adopted by some other better show. Make season one three or four crimes. One of them's five episodes. One of them's two. One of them's four. One of them's four. One of them's four. I don't know. But, you know, just as many as you need. And it just, I, I just couldn't stress enough how well that worked and how simple it was, but how effective it was. And I just really want to see it done in a different show format. That's like, I want to see like a true detective where like season four is three separate crimes, but one of them is like three episodes and one of them is five and the other one's six or something like that. Like, I want to see that, you know? And it will also help break us of our little patterns. Cause I think- yeah. As audiences, we're very much like, and I think when the killing came out and it wasn't solved in a season, people were like, I'm done with this television show. Uh, I, 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 I did that. I'm not yeah, going to so, lie. See, no, but I mean, because we're expected when you're watching it and you're like, okay, this is just going to be a whole season. But the problem with the killing is it dragged it on way too long. Oh, it did. It did. I mean, that was, you know, I mean, they revealed it in the. I think like the first episode of the second season. And then it just kept going and going and, they and going. ruined so many people's lives with the false accusations that it was they just did. like, can you just go away and leave this town alone? They'll be better off without you. <laughs> but no matter what the killing introduced us to Joel Kinnaman. So yes. kudos to that. Yes. And he was the best part of that show easily. He was, he was absolutely. So, yeah, I'm not necessarily going to recommend Border Town. If you're, you know, kind of starving for detective stuff, you might want to give it a try. But ultimately, what stood out for me in this was their formatting. And I really think it needs to be done by someone else in a better way because it was brilliant in that formatting. Do you think we would end up, the and I say we, I mean the United States, uh, would end up remaking border town because sometimes we, we feel things I think we could do it because it's all about crimes across a border so you could do it with um the united states and canada or the united states and mexico and have the same basic formatting okay. and it wasn't like when the episodes ended you know it, they weren't necessarily standalone the crimes were solved but the relationships between the people obviously carried over you know it's a mother father and daughter again so um, you know, the the issues that he was having with his daughter obviously carried over into different crimes. And, you know, so there's some stuff that carries through episode to episode, season to season. It was just it it felt to me like a more natural police situation where you would have a crime and it would go on for a little while. And then eventually you'd send it to court or you'd solve it or you have some breakthrough and then you would get a new one. And that was the part that felt 
very good with the multi-episode kind of being allowed to each crime instead of either trying to stretch it out too long or force it in too short. Okay. I can see. Yeah. I can see that. So, um, yeah. So last but not least, number three, um, we're not going to do a full review of this movie, but um, I think you wanted to say that it stood out as being better than you thought. Exactly. Um, so I know we we were pretty harsh on uh, Army of the Dead. Uh, right. And we're, we're not the only ones. I mean, yeah. it's not like we're the naysayers. But I did watch uh, Army of Thieves, which is the prequel, based on my brother-in-law Chris's recommendation. He did watch it. He said it was a good movie. And I really enjoyed it. It was a fun heist movie. And the individual who plays Dieter actually directs this. So I don't know if it's having Zack Snyder with his hands off of it. Uh, These are only characters. The only character that he created, I could be wrong, is Dieter. The rest Mm -hmm. are all new, you know, ragtag crew of people that are going to get together and try to break open three different vaults. Now, the fourth vault that they are going to open is the one that we see in Army of the Dead. Oh, okay. So you see what happens to Dieter's crew. And you also see there are just glimpses of the zombie apocalypse. Like it's on the news. It's not affecting Germany where the the movie takes place. Mm -hmm. So you get to see glimpses of what's happening. It also helps to motivate some of the characters because if it's like the end of the world why not try to open an unbreakable safe and see what happens yeah why not so and (laughs) i will say it also stars uh natalie emmanuel who you will know as misandry on oh so on game of thrones game of thrones so it's great i mean it's it's a like today it's a cloudy rainy day uh, it's the perfect here. move. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know, you always have sunshine. Yeah. Um, it's something to watch. I'm not going to say it's not going to stay with you. Like, Oh wow. That's really going to make me think about things. It's fun. It's light. And you get to see this sort of character who's, you know, who you got to just get a glimpse of in army of the dead. You get to see an entire movie based around him. I didn't think it was going to work, but I found myself just loving how adorable he was. And my favorite thing that he did is whenever something is said that is near impossible, he will gulp and then say the word gulp. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's like that twitchy and that awkward. Yeah, that's hilarious. But it's all right. Definitely watch it. I don't know how this is going to interact with the third um, Planet of the Dead movie that I guess yeah. is supposed to be in this trilogy, but I hear Jerry or something. Jerry, yeah, Jerry's is coming downstairs. Yeah, he's I like, he's, he's like, feed me. It's yeah. my dinner time. Um, <laughs> don't worry, Jerry. We're wrapping it up. <laughs> we're wrapping it up. But yeah, definitely worth a watch. I don't think you're you're gonna regret watching it. It's okay. It's, yeah, if you like heist movies and you like movies that take place in in Germany, it's uh, or any European country it's 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 fun fair enough okay i'll probably watch it at some point then well i think that does it for us today we have two quick 
reminders here. Um, so first reminder is, I guess, not really a reminder, but, you know, a teaser, is that uh, next episode we're planning on doing a holiday special. So be prepared, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. We'll be prepared. Yeah, Christmas and... special is coming. And then that happens to be episode 19. And so episode 20 we're going to switch things up a little bit, as we seem to do every 10 episodes, so be prepared for that as well. Um, and as always, you can find us on social media. Please like, follow, and subscribe. If you're looking for us, search for 3Speech and look for the bears. I think you're going to get a very disturbing sandworm bear this week. <laughs> All right. And um, uh, other than that, thank you as always for listening, and we will see you again soon for Christmas special. Bye, everyone.